0: what we do usually as a church we um, go through books of the bible so um, we do expository preaching through books of the bible but we're going to take a break uh, for several um, weeks and do a topical series and uh, this topical series will be on the means of grace it will be titled god's growth plan for believers in other words i believe that god has a plan for our growth as believers and we need to know that plan we need to be acquainted with that plan right so we're going to be looking at this series God's growth plan for believers it's going to run for six weeks um, although it will be um, this Sunday next Sunday and then uh, the the third Sunday we'll take a break and then we'll continue uh, with with the series for the next four weeks after that So God's growth plan for believers, before we do that, let us pray. We're not going to to go to a specific passage today. We're going to uh, travel and and look at a couple of passages in the Word of God. So let us commit our time to the Lord in prayer this morning. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, we thank you for this time that you've given us we thank you that, Lord, you speak to us. Even as we were singing, speak, O Lord, as we come to you, we pray that you will do exactly that, and we will listen to you, O God, and obey your voice. May you be praised and glorified in our time this morning. In the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. So, as I said, we begin this series on how to become more like Jesus, God's growth plan for believers. There will be six sermons in this series. So um, there will be the Word, prayer, the ordinances, uh, pastors, fellowship, and our habits. Each of these uh, will see that it plays a vital role in our growth as believers. It plays a vital role in discipleship. So this morning, we're going to cover the Word, the Bible. But before I do that, I want to give an extended introduction to the whole series. How many of you have made New Year's resolutions for 2021? How many of you, when you thought about this year, you thought about changing some habits or um, even developing some habits? The statistics show that about half of South Africans make resolutions. I read something interesting this week about uh, the other half, um, those who don't make uh, resolutions. Most of them are over 50 years old. Um, and, and why do you think that is the case? Maybe it's because the more you live your life, the more disappointments you face. And belief in the possibility of change starts to wane. Right? One, one writer says that when we are young, We are like baby sea turtles, besting with determination to make it over the dunes to the ocean beyond. But when the seagulls swoop in and start picking us off one by one, so often our dreams and goals are dashed. It only takes a few days before most people start failing on their resolutions, right? January, we start with our resolutions, and all of a sudden, after a few days, we are going back to our old habits. It's true, we struggle with achieving our goals. In fact, about 90% of people report failure to follow through on their resolutions. But in light of this reality, I'm not advocating giving up on resolutions, right? I, I think with the dawn of the new year, one gets to think about what is most essential to focus on and to to try to make progress toward our goals we we shouldn't allow cynicism and failure to keep us from intentional living it's not resolutions that i have a problem with but i do find it troubling that most of the resolutions people make have nothing to do with spiritual growth Right? Think about it. Over 80% of the resolutions people make are either health-related or finance-related, right? They have to do with our physical well-being. You join the gym in January and the rest of the year your money goes to waste because you don't go. But Paul admonishes us, when you look at the Bible, especially 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, to train ourselves for godliness. He says that bodily training is of some value, yes, but godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise both in this present life and also in the life to come. So I want to encourage you this morning to make a resolution to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ, to, to resolve to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. But the question is, how can you grow as a disciple of Christ? How how can you avoid the high rate of failure that follows on the heels of most resolutions? Another author, Dallas Willard, has written widely on spiritual formation. And and he says that if you want to, to, to make progress in discipleship, you need three things. You need vision, you need intention, and you need means vision, intention, means. And I think he's right, right? Think about it. First, we, we need vision. We, we, we need a clear picture of what we are trying to accomplish. We need to begin with the end in mind, right? And thankfully, we've been given this vision in Scripture, that the church is called to make disciples of Jesus Christ who glorify God. And what does a disciple who glorifies God look like? They, they look like Jesus. And a growing Christian is becoming more and more like Jesus. They will be marked by love. They will will love God, love others in the church, love the lost just like Jesus. And that's the picture. That's the vision of this uh, church. If you are a Christian, that should be your vision too. He continues to uh, say that the second thing that we need to achieve or accomplish our goals is intention. We need intention, not just vision alone. We, we, we need a strong resolve to actually follow through right? The Bible calls us to be intentional people. The, uh, uh, Peter commands us to make every effort to become like Jesus in second Peter chapter 1 verse 5 to 8 to be diligent to conform uh, to, to 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 confirm our calling in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 10 and Paul labored uh, so that Christ will be formed in the Galatians when you look at Galatians 4 verse 19 he toiled and struggled with all of Christ's energy to present the Colossians mature in Christ, Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. He admonished the Philippians to work out their salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that God works in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. So not only is it vision, but there must be intention. And thirdly, there must be means. Right? The third thing we need to be successful with our goals is means. We, we need a strategic plan and smart tactics for achieving our goals. In other words, we need more than a picture of the ends. We also need to have means toward those goals. And God has given us as, as certain means in His word. We believe God has provided us at least six means of grace, right? That is, he's given us six ways the gospel can grow deep in us and go wide through us. He's given us six ways to become more like Jesus. And, and, and this is what we are going to cover over the next couple of uh, months. The Bible, prayer, pastors, fellowship, the ordinances, and habits. Right? I want to, what I want to do this morning is talk about the first means of grace, the Bible the Bible. To organize the rest of our time, I want to do two things. First, I want to look at what the Bible has to say about the Bible. How does the Bible help us to become more like Jesus? Essentially, I want to talk about a theology of the Bible, but I I want to give you more than theology. I, I also want to give you practical ways that you can place the Bible at the center of your resolve to become more like Jesus. And so the second part of my sermon will deal with the application We'll deal with the application. Let's, let's look at the first one. We, we we see that the Word does the work. We begin here with the theology. The Word does the work. The name of our church is Central Baptist Church, if you've recognized. The, the, the word central has to do with the fact that we believe God's Word is central in all that we do. We we believe that the, that the, that the Word does the work. Or to expand that statement we believe that the word of god does the work of god in the people of god by the spirit of god for the glory of god i hope you caught that but why do we say that why do we say the the, the word does the work i want to offer you three reasons for that first of all the word of god is powerful god's word is powerful the, the word is like the power supply of the church. In South Africa, our power source, our power supply is Eskom. Right? Eskom is responsible for keeping the lights on. And these days, they hardly do it well, right? Our power lights, our lights come from Eskom. But in the church, our power and light comes from the word of God. In First Thessalonians chapter two, verse thirteen, we read it today. Um, Paul says, and also, and we also thank God constantly for this. That when you received, listen to this, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it as the word of God, uh, uh, not as the word of man, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. The word of God is at work in you, believers. Paul says that the apostolic word, the gospel that Paul preached to the Thessalonians, was not merely the word of man it was the very word of God and that word was at work in the believers of Thessalonica and the word of God he says is powerful right it does the work of God in sanctifying us in making us more like Jesus as MacDiver says God's word has always been his Chosen instrument to create, to convict, to convert, and to con- conform us, uh, conform God's people into His image. It, it is His chosen instrument. God's word through the urgency, uh, God's works uh, through the urgency of His word throughout Scripture. Think about Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11 isaiah fifty five verse ten and eleven it says it this way: listen to this: for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there uh, but water uh, do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving the seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish, listen to this, it shall accomplish that which I propose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word is intentional and it's effective. It seeks to get God's work done in the lives of God's people and it it accomplishes just that. The New Testament says something similar. Jesus says, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, verse 4. And again, Paul says in Acts chapter 20, verse 32, listen to this. He says, and I have, I, 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 and now I commend you, talking to the elders in Ephesus, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among those who. Who are sanctified. The Word of God is able to do what? To build you up. Most of you are familiar with what Paul said to the Romans in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Right? And hopefully you get the picture here that the Word of God is powerful in creation. In conversion and in sanctification. It's like the power supply of the church. Right? The, the the word does the work. Our destination is to become more like Jesus, but the fuel that will uh, uh, that will power our trip toward our destination is the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the first and most important means of grace because it is the power of God. Secondly, it is not just the power of God, but God's word is enough. God's word is enough. There's a temptation in the Christian world to think that the gospel is simply something that gets us into the kingdom of God. And once we are in, we move on to other means. We, we need something more sophisticated than the basic gospel of Jesus Christ. But, but the New Testament teaches us that we never graduate from the gospel. We, we never graduate from the gospel. It is not just a prerequisite course to get us into the higher, level of, um, the higher level courses. In fact, the gospel is the whole curriculum for the school of Christ. It is the whole curriculum. Listen to what Paul says. When he speaks to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, listen to his words. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, listen to these words, which you received, in which you stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain here Paul is establishing that the word was powerful to save the Corinthians in the past when they first had it but also it's powerful now in the present is the gospel in which they stand and by which they are being saved and it will continue to be powerful in the future and all the way until the end of their lives it has a pervasive effect in the lives of In their lives from the beginning of the the Christian life to the very end. The whole of the scriptures point to and anticipate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, You don't graduate from the gospel. It's not simply the front door that gets you into the Christian house. Sure, it is the front door, but it's also the foundation of the house it is the roof that covers and protects the house it is the walls that hold the house up the furnace that heats the house up you get the point right it is everything the gospel is everything we never graduate from the gospel we never get past the gospel so many christians today want to move up and beyond the gospel when it comes to spiritual formation they are looking for things like catholic mysticism and contemplation they are looking for Eastern spirituality uh, uh, of being one with the universe. You, you hear it in their languages today. They talk about karma and, 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 and so on and so forth, right? They, they talk about, they, 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 there's this language, Eastern uh, uh, um, spirituality language, that is infiltrating our vocabulary even as Christians. Christians speaking about karma, Christians are following these star signs and and stuff like that crazy crazy they're looking for ecstatic prophecies from charismatic Apostles and signs and wonders they 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 want these things Peter says that we have all we need for life and salvation in the gospel of Jesus Christ Paul as the Word of God is all we need for growth, in grace. The word of God is enough. It is sufficient. Remember what he said to Timothy. In Second Timothy chapter three, verses 14 to 17, listen to these words i love what paul says to timothy it should be reassuring to us as well today he says but as for you talking to timothy continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you have landed and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings the scriptures which are able listen to this which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in christ jesus all scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The man of God spoken here is referring in context to Timothy, the the pastor of the church at Ephesus. He's saying you have everything you need in the Scriptures to be complete in your ministry. He's telling Timothy that. they are are a sufficient means of grace continue in the word of God don't you think uh, Timothy might have been tempted seeing that Paul is in jail and uh, people want to hear things they have itching ears and they want to hear myths don't you think Timothy would have been tempted to give them what they want right so, so, so Paul is, is exhorting Timothy from a jail cell. Remember, Paul is about to die, and he is sure this time that he's about to die. And he's exhorting Timothy to say, what you need to do God's work is the word of God. Don't think you need to move on to more advanced material. Your task of making disciples is a big task, but you have everything you need in the Bible to do your job preach the word that's all you need the word of god is enough the word of god is enough so we saw first of all that the word does the work right secondly what we see is that the word is life the word is life paul says one pastor says that the working of the word is the life of the church and that's quite a statement isn't it obviously the word is at work in the life of the church but that's not what he says he says the working of the word is the life of the church it is the life of the church now don't get me wrong what i'm saying is not that we should worship the bible i'm not saying that christ is the head of the church isn't he It's from Him that the body has life through the Spirit. We need to worship God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But that being said, there's such a vital connection between Jesus and His words. Jesus Himself repeatedly made connection between the life we have in Him and the Word. Think about Mark chapter 8, verse 38. He said, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words of him will the son of man be ashamed when he comes in John chapter 15 verse 7 Jesus said abide in me and what my words in you in John chapter 8 Jesus said to his disciples you will know the truth and the truth will set you free later Jesus says that God's word is truth in John seventeen, 17 doesn't he but he also said that he is the way and what the truth and the life. Peter says to Jesus, after Jesus preaches one of the the most hardest sermons to receive, the most difficult sermons to receive, and what happens? The multitude that was following him turns away and leaves. And, and Jesus looks at his disciples and say, Are you going to leave also? The words of Peter are piercing. The words of Peter must be instructive to the church even today. He says to Jesus in John 6 verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? In other words, brothers and sisters, if we shift from Christ, we deny ourselves, Words of eternal life. Peter recognized that we, we can go to our businesses that were successful. We, we can go to, to, to our formal lives, but he says, To whom shall we go? E- everything is meaningless, right? Everything is meaningless. What does this say? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, my words, right? my words will not pass away everything else is meaningless the words of christ are the words of eternal life do do, do you see the connection here if we want to be his disciples to become like him to be shaped by him if we want to live in christ then we have to live by his word We have to live in his word eternal life is not just something that happens to us after we die eternal life is something that we have now by the spirit of course we will experience it fully and more blessed when we are in his sight right but we have it now it doesn't simply refer to the quantity of our life it refers to the quality of our lives we've spoken about this eternal life is knowing Jesus living in him abiding in him as we abide in him we bear fruit we become more like Jesus and that's our goal that's our resolution but we can't abide in him if we don't abide in his word. We can't have life if we are not living in his word. That's why if we want to grow in Christ likeness, we have to let the word of Christ dwell in us, in, in us richly. Isn't that what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16? Now, as I said that, I don't want to just give you a theology of the Bible, right? I don't want to just tell you about what the Bible says about the Bible. Theologians call this that they say that the Bible is autopistic, that it, it is self-authenticating. And we see that, that the testimony about the Bible, concerning the Bible. But I don't want to do that. I want to go into application. But I want you to see how powerful the word of God is. It's, it's a means of grace. When we think about God's growth plan for us, he starts here with the word the Word does the work, doesn't it? It's what God uses to save us and to sanctify us. It's all we need to become more like Jesus. If that's true, then we need to live our life in the Word. How do we do that? With the rest of our time, I want to offer two applications, just briefly. We need to hear, first of all, we need to hear the Word. Secondly, we need to read the Word. Hear and read. Read. First, we need to hear the word. This is the most basic way we take the word of God in. We simply listen to the word of God being read in our service on Sunday morning and we hear it preached by the pastor. Some people think hearing the word of God in church is so basic and elementary that they may take it for granted or even disregard its importance. Now that probably sounds Self-serving coming from your pastor, right? <laughs> it's like your pastor is some kind of a gender. But let me let me read to you what the late Jerry Bridges said about this. He says this. We are living in a day when this method tends to be lightly regarded by many people as being a somewhat ineffective means of learning spiritual truth. And this is a serious error. The Lord Jesus Christ Himself has given to his church people who are gifted to teach us the truth of his word, to remind us of the lessons we are prone to forget and to exhort, to exhort us to constancy in application. We need to heed to listen to those, to, to, to those whom he has given us for this purpose. Now none of us ever become so spiritually self-sufficient that he does not need to hear the word taught by others. And most of us do not have the ability or time to search out on our own the whole counsel of God. We need to sit under the regular teaching of a man gifted by God and trained to expound the word of God to us. That's Jerry Bridges. I would go as far as to say that the most important spiritual discipline of your week should be your time in corporate worship where you hear the word of God being read as we were reading First Thessalonians, being sung as we were singing about the word, prayed and, and preached. Of all the ways the New Testament commands us to take the word of God, all of these happen every Sunday here in our corporate services, corporate worship services. Now, one of the reasons... Hearing the word of God in, in corporate setting is minimized, is because it can be seen as too passive, right? It's it's too easy for it to go in one ear and come out the next, and that's a good point, right? But my response would be would simply be uh, that hearing the word on Sunday doesn't have to be passive or shallow. The when you think about the Bereans in Acts, they. They didn't listen to Paul sermons passively. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things are so. Examine the scriptures for yourself. So don't take my word for it. Don't take the fact that I said it, that it must be true. Read it for yourself and examine what the scriptures say. Right? I'm not afraid to to be told, Pastor, you missed something here right examine it for yourself the, 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 the thing about Christianity today is that Christians are ignorant they are voluntarily ignorant they listen and they receive it as it is they don't examine the scriptures for themselves God has given you the scriptures right this is not the medieval age where only the, 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 the father had uh, the, 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 the Bible in front of him written in Latin and he couldn't even read it himself. In fact, that's where we, we get the word abracadabra. Um, they were trying to pronounce a, a, a Latin word um, for, the, for the communion and because they couldn't read Latin, Latin themselves they ended up saying abracadabra. And so magicians started using it. I would encourage you that when you hear the word of God, you actively hear it being preached. Read the passages for the upcoming week. Ask about it. Ask what is being preached next week. Come up, come to church prayed up, eager to hear the word. Then go and study the scriptures after Sunday morning to see if what I say is the, the, the right thing. And then apply the word of God. Jesus says, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This is important, isn't it? The goal is not simply to passively hear the word of God, the goal is to keep it or obey it. So when you listen to the word on Sunday, take note that it's it's take note of the ways it's calling you to respond and then seek to apply the word of God in your lives throughout the week with the help of other believers. Now We don't only hear the word but lastly we need to read the word we need to read the word there's more there's nothing more basic than taking in the word of god than going to church but what about the other six days of the week right if you want to experience the power of the life of the word of god you need to cultivate a a habit of reading it yourself daily church attendance is becoming less frequent in this country. But the frequency of personal Bible reading is even worse. One uh, Paul said that 18% of born-again Christians read the Bible every day and that saddened me. But it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. What surprises me is that 23% of Christians say they've never read the Bible. They never read the Bible. Now there are some of you here who would like me to talk about maybe about memorizing the word meditating on the word and studying the word and I'm all for that right I'm all for that if you're going to grow in Christ you certainly want these things and and that will make progress and you want to make progress in them but if Bible reading statistics apply even here to, to Central Baptist Church it seems like we may need to start with the basics of reading the Bible You can't memorize, meditate, or study if you can't even read the Bible. So let me make a couple of practical suggestions. Get a Bible reading plan, right? There are so many Bible reading plans that can help you get through the... Get a devotional. Um, Auntie LV uh, makes devotionals uh, available every year. Um, So get a devotional. Uh, or a study Bible that will guide you through the plan that you are reading, and I would encourage you that get a plan that takes you through the whole Bible, right through the whole Bible. Some people are so overwhelmed by the task of reading through the whole Bible, but did you know that you can read through the entire Bible in less than seventy-two hours? <laughs> if you took seventy-two hours, you don't eat, you don't, and you just read, you finish the Bible. But that's how how long an average audio Bible is. 72 hours. That's less time than the average person spends in front of the TV every month. Think about that. If you swapped out your media time for Bible time, you could read through the Bible in four weeks. If that's too daunting for you, which I think it would be for me, think of this. Just 15 minutes a day. 15 minutes a day in the bible you can read through the whole bible in a year or even easier five minutes a day will get you through the bible in less than three years five minutes regardless of your pace i simply encourage that you start a plan and start reading don whitney we, we read don whitney uh, as a church in our bible study he tells the story of a man who was severely injured in an explosion his face was badly disfigured he lost his eyesight he lost both of his hands he was a brand new christian when that happened and one of the greatest disappointments for him was that he couldn't read the bible anymore but then he decided to try to read the bible using braille since he didn't have any hands he tried using his lips But he discovered that the nerve endings in his lips were too badly damaged that he couldn't feel anything but one day as he brought one of the braille pages to his lips his tongue happened to touch a few of the characters and he could feel them he could feel the characters in 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 braille it was like a flesh in a flesh he realized i can read the bible using my tongue at the time the story was written, he had read through the Bible, the entire Bible, four times. That's remarkable, isn't it? It's amazing. And it's quite motivating. If, if he could read the Bible through four times with his tongue, then surely we can discipline ourselves to read the Bible too, right? This is a means of grace that will bear fruit in your resolution to become more like Jesus this year. God has given us the word we are a country that has freedom of religion we can walk with our bibles in the streets we can read our bibles without anyone bothering us let us take advantage of that right let us take advantage of that remember the words of of Job who says I desire your word more than my necessary food." And let us spend time in the word in the word. It is God's growth plan for believers. We'll continue next week with the series. Amen. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord and God, we want to thank you. We thank you most importantly for Jesus Christ who came to redeem us, to, to make us your children. And we thank you that. As your children, you have given us the word so that we can know you more and worship you as you've prescribed in your word. We pray that your word will dwell deep and reach in us, that we will desire it more than our necessary food, that we will remember the words of Jesus that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the the mouth of God. We pray that you will shape us, you will work in us, you will train us, that we may be a people that are truly equipped, ready for every good work, because your word is in us. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen.